Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast brought to you from King's Comics every week with your hosts, me, Andrew Levins, and her, Siobhan Coombs. Hello. Hey, Siobhan. Merry Christmas to you. Oh, Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to everyone listening right now and also whatever holiday you celebrate. I hope it was great. Um, I'm exhausted and uh, I ate a particularly hot lunch today, so <laughs> very a lot of chili. It's hot- like 40 degrees Celsius in Australia, so... In Sydney right now. Yeah, I like it hot. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, the, the, takes, the, the hot takes are going to be that much hotter. It's going to be, be a, a very spicy episode. That's right. So, uh, you've been warned. Um, <laughs> did you do anything of note over the break? We didn't really have a break. Yeah, not really. I sort of slept a lot and watched a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, took, I took a real break from comics. <laughs> um, I... Uh, I also got in a car like RuPaul does every week. <laughs> what? I drove three hours with uh, with with my kids uh, to visit my racist grandparents. Oh, that's so nice! It's beautiful Christmas, real good fun. Um, anyway, guess what? Guess who did not have a goddamn break this 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 year? Uh, comics, comics just didn't even give us a, a moment to breathe. Uh, this week and then this upcoming week, just enormous. Yeah, enormous weeks for comics. Massive, uh, massive so many, weeks. so many friggin' serious <laughs> issues. Uh, and I, I, I swear, I remember like the la- the final two weeks of the year always being like nice and calm and quiet. In fact, am I Jim? Jim we're, we're at Kings right now. Jim is shaking his head at me. Okay. Jim, y- you've been you've we've worked uh, at Kings Comics for a hundred years now. Uh, did it used to be quieter these, these these last at the end of the year? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was, and um, you know, back back in back in the days when um, there was only forty four X Men titles, and <laughs> and Brian Bendis was actually writing good stuff. Uh, it, it, it was it was, we used to have our off weeks. They they would let us rest for Christmas, but no, not this year. I remember that. I remember like the last three weeks would sometimes just all ship together, and you'd you'd be, you would have all the the last yeah, weeks yeah, of the year. Yeah, they they'd ship, ship everything together with like. You know, everything sorted out for us and everything. And then this year is like, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, we don't care anymore. Don't care. Some sweet comic book burns from Old Man Jim. Uh, <laughs> thank you for the curmudgeon cameo. <laughs> uh, anyway, what we do every week on this show is we review almost all of the comics. Uh, there were there's some big gaps. This is, it's, it's a heck of a week. <laughs> I forgot it's, to read a whole bunch in a shocking turn of events. I, I, I chose not to read a whole bunch. <laughs> uh, I chose instead to visit racist grandparents. 
um, which is a new number one. Racist grandparents, <laughs> written by me, coming next month. Racist, racist grandparents rebirth. Can we have can we have homophobic auntie in there as well? As oh a yeah, yeah, she's special great. guest appearance for Fan me. favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, what we do each week is we review all of the brand new comics, and we kick off with a little segment called uh, First Things First, in which we review all of the new number ones. There's a lot of number ones this week. Yeah, um, so uh, I'm going to get through the ones that I read. I think we, we, I think we covered them all between mm. us. There's a zero issue or two in there as well. Um, Siobhan, what was your favorite number one this week? Um, Quite a few years going through. You know what? I think genuinely my favorite thing, um, one of my favorite comics of the week was um, a Titan comic by Cy Spurrier, with art by Connor Boyle, um, called Hookjaw. I didn't Did read this. Did you read this? No, no. Oh, my God. So I, should, I should bring this home? Um. Yeah, you totally should. It's about it's about, it's about a, big a guy shark. with. All oh right, it's not about a guy with a hook for a jaw. No, it's about a shark with a harpoon through his jaw oh, called sick. Hook Jaw. That's awesome. So, it's, so is it? Uh, is it a horror comic? Sort of, yeah, because it's about this one big, big evil shark called Hook Jaw who is making the sharks work together. Because normally they're like lone sharks. Every shark for themselves. Yeah, exactly. But these sharks have started working together, and there's like a really swearsy old lady. Um, swearsy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> old lady um, marine biologist met like fronting this mission to find out why the um, why the sharks are working together and it's so good man the art's and, awesome yeah too. the art's awesome and you get to hear um, by like by the end of the issue you start seeing what what the shark's thinking yes Amazing it's really shark good. dialogue, and then there's heaps of shark facts in the back. <laughs> <laughs> wow, like actual genuine shark facts. Yeah, actual genuine do- shark facts. It's going to teach you a lot about great whites, um, so you can read this and then come visit Australia and get eaten by one. Yay! <laughs> Have you ever been a fan of Shark Week? I mean, I like. I think sharks are cool. Isn't it like I don't. We don't have the the. Was it Discovery Channel? Yeah, something yeah. like that. No, and they just showed shark. Nothing but sharks on Discovery <laughs> Channel for an entire week. I mean, it's. It's a compelling concept, and I think that they should start doing that in comics. We, yeah, should we do a comic, comic, comic book Shark Week? Comic Shark Week. Who could we, we could have King Shark? Yes. Uh, Hookjaw. Um, what was the shark? Street Sharks? Street Sharks. Street Sharks. Which one? Grizzly Shark? Grizzly, Grizzly Shark? shark? Oh, yeah, okay. Absolutely. All right, Shark Week. Done. We're gonna, okay, but when is Shark Week? <laughs> Actually, I, I think this is a really good idea. We'll do a Shark Week special. I feel like there must have been George Shark Comics Week, at some point as well. 2017 is July. When is Shark Week 2017? You'll be able to get your shark on in the meantime. <laughs> what? Uh, traditionally, Shark Week is held in the summer months, but Discovery Channel has not confirmed an actual date for next year's adventure. All right, so the middle of uh, 2017. Shark Week. Shark Week special of serious issues. <laughs> Stay tuned, guys. By Lockjaw. In, um, in Hookjaw. Hookjaw. It's really, really good from Titan Comics. I highly recommend this, guys. Uh, so last week was Christmas. Last weekend was Christmas, and that's why we're a little late recording this. I hope you enjoyed the bonus episodes that we put up uh, in the interim. We had mm-hmm. our live episode, which some people did not uh, love because uh, we were apparently quite offensive towards our listeners. Um, <laughs> I mean, apparently. you say we. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, the, uh, the complaint roped you in right, right alongside Oh, yeah, me. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what can we say? We're the, we're the bad boys of comic book podcasting. We're the, we're the uh, Triple M Royce team of <laughs> comic book podcasting. But, uh, I mean, to give context, we did a a live kind of comic book buying night and then decided mm. to put our – in a nightclub and then decided to put our live episode in the middle of that. And um, 
mostly it was our friends uh, that were drinking and, and, and talking <laughs> over us. Uh, and when I was being abusive to the audience, they actually weren't listening. So no one knew yeah, that I was, was being <laughs> abusive to them, except for the people that were trying to listen. So they were getting a kick out of it. And I'm sorry if it comes across like we were just straight up insulting people yeah, for, yeah. for coming to one of our nights. It's not how it went down at all, even Very, if it sounds like that. It's incredibly context-specific. <laughs> Next time I'll give a context uh, kind of warning yeah. at the beginning. I'll set the mood a bit better. Um, we also, there's a bonus episode in the feed right now with uh, Steel Saunas from uh, Steel Wars, a Star Wars podcast that we recorded uh, last weekend, um, all about the Star Wars comics. Steel and I both read the Star Wars comics for very different reasons. Uh, he reads them because he loves all things Star Wars and it has to make sure he's up to date with everything that's now canon uh, because the Marvel books are, are all canon and I read comic books because uh, we have to. Forced to gunpoint point every week by Jim. And also uh, comic books are amazing. <laughs> Who gets Jim uh, guns? But, uh, you know, like it's kind of like, I'm like, he'll be like, why the hell did this happen? And I'm like, because it's comic books. And he's yeah. like, that's not an, an acceptable answer to my canon brain. Anyway, it's a fun listen. Go back and listen to those. But anyway, the reason I brought out Christmas is because there were two Christmas specials last week. Um, both from uh, comic books that we read regularly and love. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was Klaus um, by Grant Morrison and Dan Mora with the Winch of w- the Witch of Winter special mm-hmm. and Power Man and Iron Fist Sweet Christmas special. I mean, if they've never done that before. Yeah, that's this, a missed opportunity. So this is the this is an annual. They both feature Krampus. Yep. Well, I mean, Cla- uh, Krampus featured in in the, in the main series of Claus, and I feel like this take on Krampus and this take on the take on on Santa Claus that, in, that pops up in the Power Man and Iron Fist annual is heavily inspired by the Claus series because he's oh, yeah. a, he's like quite a, like a cool sleeveless. Wait, that's that's the that's Damon Hellstrom. The Power Man and Iron Fist uh, special. I read a lot of Christmas specials in the last month. They all they all merged into one. Yeah, and I don't think I did read this. Oh, you didn't read this one? I'm so shit. You're the worst. This is really really fun. I, I started. It was really it was really hard trying to read comics with my 14 year old sister talking over me constantly and dabbing in my face. Um, shouts to her. I read the first half of it. You can read about and her in, in Racist Grandparents Number 1 yeah. Rebirth, coming to you in March. Um, Power Man and Iron Fist Sweet Christmas Annual is uh, the Power Man and Iron Fist take on Jingle All the Way. Mm. Um, Luke Cage- Second take on Jingle All the Way that we've had yep. this year. The, Luke Cage is trying to get some toy um, and, and uh, bumps into Jessica Drew, who's also like just trying to escape... Uh, her house and, and, and how hard being a mum is by just kind of going out shopping late at night. And uh, turns out Krampus is behind this like take on Pokemon Go that all the kids are addicted to um, and he's he wants to eat children. And so it's up to Luke Cage, Iron Fist and um, a bunch of other people to to kind of save the day. Uh, Damon Hellstrom has been undercover as a, as a Santa in the toy awesome. store, which is really fun. And... Um, Jolly St. Nick, who, like, straight up, that, lo- that looks like is out of the Claws series there, right? Yeah, it does. He's got yeah, a cool yeah. cape, but he's um, not as sexy as No, but he, he, he's significantly older. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he shows up to save the day. I don't know. This is, like, this is a really, really silly, um, like, monster splattery Christmas special, but mm. it worked really well. It was fun just seeing um, uh, David Walker, who writes the series, just let loose and, uh, and tell a really, really fun and silly Christmas story. Yeah, nice. Uh, the Claws... And the Witch of Winter. Did you read this, Siobhan? Yes. Did you I actually did. read this? So many things that I'm like, I'm pretty sure I read that. And then I opened it. I'm like, oh, no, I definitely didn't. <laughs> um, but this I did read. Definitely did read. Um, so this is like, as opposed to the Claw series, which was set hundreds of years in the past, this is set pretty much present day, right? Yeah. Um, and it's all about a, um, a father whose kids have gone missing. Oh. 
Wow. A fire <laughs> alarm just went off. That's convenient. Uh, we we, we, we're going to pause. <laughs> False alarm, everybody. We didn't die. We're fine. Not true. We're actually dead. This well, is us talking to you for the, from the it's afterlife. A g- g- ghost podcast. <laughs> um, Klaus and the Witch of Winter. Yep. Uh, it's a fun little romp about a, a woman who wants to make everything winter. And Geppetto. Geppetto shows up, everyone. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, I think it's way more far out than the, the original Claw series got. Absolutely. But uh, it's, a nice, it's a nice little addition to the Claw story. And it would be cool if they did this every year. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, had it be in a different time period because they referenced a lot of, like, other adventures that he's been on in the times um, in between. And it sounded... That's stuff I would like to explore. Yeah, definitely. I feel like this could become a big franchise that Boom has, the Claws series. Yeah, I hope so. I hope, like, I mean, as long as the, I feel like as long as the creators stay on it, it could be good forever. There's infinite stories they could tell. Definitely. Um, over in the non-Christmas world, uh, Marvel put out a whole bunch of books, but also DC had a really big book this week. Absolutely. Justice League versus Suicide Squad, number one of six. A new weekly series. Oh, is it weekly? Weekly. I haven't picked up the new one for this week. I'm yeah, get that. it's on the shelf. Because um, I kind of liked this. Yeah, yeah. Look, Jason Fabok is such a solid superheroes guy. Um, that's who is the artist on this book. And it's written uh, by uh, Joshua Williamson, who's been writing the Suicide Squad uh, series th- since Rebirth started. Which you um, really enjoy. Yeah, which I... Uh, I uh, Stockholm Syndrome myself into enjoying. <laughs> um, but this is... Uh, Suicide Squad on a mission, um, and uh, the Justice League are aware of the Suicide Squad, all these enemies, fighting together for a secret government agency, and they show up to basically shut them down. And Amanda Waller, who is in charge of the Suicide Squad, gives the order to show no mercy if you get captured by the Justice League, um, I'm going to kill you, basically, (laughs) is what she says. And um, it turns out there's a big shadowy organization of bad guys uh, behind their their meetup. Um, and that shadowy organization is led by Maxwell Lord, who is a uh, he's, he's a much more uh, capable mercenary-looking Maxwell Lord than I remember. Yeah, Maxwell Lord originally was much more like a, a businessman. Yeah, goofy '80s business guy, like pretty much that character from the Futurama that shows up from uh, from the '80s. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. The '80s business guy character. Great episode, everyone. Futurama. <laughs> it's a fantastic series. Um, but Maxwell Lord was kind of like this goofy guy who was like managing the justice league in justice league international which is a really fun run but then they 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 made him go all dark and and murderous yeah when Um, it turned out he had um psychic abilities and then wonder woman snapped his neck in one of my favorite moments in superhero comics um he is at at, at a very high level of psychic ability in this issue but he still gets nosebleeds (laughs) i love that (laughs) this is a good start to like a fun fun little event and events should be weekly yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it's a, it's, a, it's never going to be a truly satisfying comic book story. You may as well just yeah, get that's them true. all out <laughs> quickly. Well done. <laughs> so there's no massive build up. Like, look what Civil War Two is done. Yeah, like, I mean, I'll be like, I didn't, I probably didn't love this issue. I thought it was like fine, but pretty average. But like for me, this Suicide Squad is not why I like the Suicide Squad and this version of the Justice League have like no personality whatsoever. That's very true. And like are the most generic average Justice League lineup of all time. But when Maxwell Lord's team of Emerald Empress, Dr. Polaris, Lobo, and classic Lobo, not sexy Lobo, <laughs> Johnny Sorrow, and Rustam, I don't know who Rustam is. Who's Rustam? Um, Jim, you know who Rustam is? No 
Non- but he looks like Jim knows he looks like Assassin's Creed yeah. with the, like pointy shoes. Um, when they show <laughs> if up, if Assassin's Creed I'm a video down. game was one person, <laughs> that's who Rustin would be. I don't really know what they show, what that game is. <laughs> I'm not much of a gamer, but yeah, that that makes me um, interested because that's such a funny, funny team up. Totally. Um, I'm on board. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm <laughs> reluctantly on board. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the world of suddenly loving Suicide Squad. <laughs> Um, over to Marvel And we got a bunch of new number ones And a number zero This week um, Should we start with zero? Yeah we'll start with zero oh, I hated this yeah. <laughs> The Mighty Captain Marvel Number zero um, Written by a new creative team um, Margaret Stoll With Emilio Leso And Ramon Rosanis On art um, I mean this is like This continues to be confusing Because in this book Everyone's like Oh it turns out Captain Marvel Was right in the end of Civil War And everyone forgives her Or something But she also has to leave the earth am i misinterpreting that i don't know but like we still haven't seen the end of civil war so it's yet again just like well i guess that's what happens and the end of civil war is ruined forever and no one cares anyway but this is a lot of dream stuff as well this is an entirely pointless issue and i hope that they were just kind of told to shoehorn this in yeah i mean it is a zero issue so i feel like zero issues generally are pretty pointless but um why have a zero issue then guys yeah, this is a really, really pointless start to a series, which I hope is going to be good. I really, really liked the way the last Captain Marvel um, series started um, before they just took it over with Civil War Two. Mm. Um, so, it kind of, this it, it feels like quite a big departure from that, which is a bit of a bummer. It also brings out the bits that I really, and like maybe this is just like this is clearly a personal thing because a lot of people really like Captain Marvel and they love this particular element and like the whole Carol core. People are super passionate, but I don't like the sort of fangirly vibe of the Captain Marvel comics. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, like it's just a bit. She's an like, she's an adult woman who like is a commander, well, like a fucking captain in the Air Force. Air Force. Sure. Anyway, you know, like it's just she's a bit like we're all cats and yeah. shit like that, and I just don't I don't really connect with it or get it. Well, there is this. I, you see it a lot in, in comics where female characters are made to act more like female comic book readers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is a way of kind of being a bit more relatable. Yeah, and I sort of don't identify with that like fan persona kind of thing. So I, maybe that's why I particularly reject it. Yeah, well, but I think you know you can you can reference it like like Chelsea Kane did in her Mockingbird yes. run really well and have the character kind of you know, well-meaningly poke fun at it. Yeah, but I feel like that character had a lot more personality than this version of... Like, I don't... I feel like I've read a lot of Captain Marvel comics and I still don't really have any idea who Carol is other than, like, a bit serious and likes cats. I totally agree. Uh, and, and, and the reason I liked that last series so much is that it had so many supporting characters. Yeah. You had all of Alpha Flight. You had, you know, Rocket Raccoon showing up. You had... Um, Abigail, Abigail Brand, who I think, I think is one of my favorite oh, Marvel yeah. characters. I would much rather have an Abigail Brand comic yeah. right now, please. Um, Just but give I think Carol green hair. <laughs> this is why. This is why I'm kind of glad that Marvel, uh, like uh, Carol's going to be included in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because I think that they've done a really solid job of taking characters who maybe aren't that interesting and giving them a bit of personality. Cough, Drax. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I think it might help to help to define her a little bit more clearly. They should just give her green hair. Just give her green hair. It's all you need. You don't need a personality. Guys, you don't need a personality. Hey, speaking of green hair, Gamora, number one, oh. written by um, Nicole Perman, who is Perlman, sorry, who was one of the writers on the original Good job Guardians. to Marvel, though, of getting actual female writers yeah. working on female She wrote characters. the original Guardian of the Galaxy script. Um, artist on this one is by Marco Cicchetto. 
Um, I was excited about this because I really enjoy the version of Gamora that we see in the Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning cosmic stuff run, especially their Guardians run. I think that version of Gamora is who I think of. You know, she's the most deadly woman on the on, in the in the universe. Mm. Uh, I really didn't like. Like, you know, this, this is an example of the Marvel Universe getting it wrong. I hate the version of Gamora that we see in the Guardians movie. She's not badass. She, you know, pines for Star-Lord and she lets her guard down all the time. And she is she she's not as... She should be, like, the most capable of that on that team in, mm. in a way she is, but I don't know. I, I wanted more from her. Uh, I was excited about this because, you know... She's never really gotten a, a chance to shine on her own. And I thought it'd be fun to follow her adventures in present-day Marvel. But this is actually a like a origin story of sorts. Good. Which we I do, don't want. Um, she is Thanos' daughter, adopted daughter or whatever in, 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 in this one um, alongside Nebula. So they're sisters and they have kind of a rivalry. Um, and she is, is like basically an assassin for Thanos. And she basically takes out entire... Races like entire bloodlines um, from certain races, and so in this one, she's hunting down the Badoon royalty. Um, but I just like there was there's a few things about this that I enjoyed. Like I, I think um, uh, Perlman has a much better grasp on how Thanos should act and, and talk than Jeff Lemire does in the Thanos run that we're going to review later on hmm, in this episode. But I think overall, like I just don't I don't really care about her origin. Yeah. I want I want to know what she's up to now on her own away from guardian stuff you know going on her own missions that's way more appealing to me yeah totally i didn't read this because i have no interest in her as a character because she just seems like space katana (laughs) but without a cool sword (laughs) she's way better than katana she's just like no one is better than katana everyone is better nah come on katana's great um (laughs) i don't know just like just the like i'm an angry woman She's Man, I am critical of women. <laughs> female characters. Um, well, luckily we got a chance to talk about a, star, a, a male character that you can yeah. be, you can be critical of. Absolutely, another member of the Guardians. The Galaxy got his own spin-off series, Star Lord, written by series issues favorite Chip Zdarsky and art by Chris Anker. I love Chris Anker. Chris Anker's art is my favorite thing about this whole issue. So, Zdarsky. We know from Sex Criminals as the artist. We know from uh, doing a great run on Jughead as writer. Um, I really enjoyed his Howard the Duck run mm-hmm. that he wrote as well. Great. And uh, one of the few writers that's put himself into a comic and done so in a really great way. Yep. Uh, all those comics are quite wacky and off the wall and um, meta in parts. So I was, not, I was a bit surprised to see this Star-Lord comic to be very stripped back and almost kind of dull in comparison to his other sillier yeah. outputs. I mean, like, I think we all expected this to be much more of a comedy book because of the way that Star-Lord has been portrayed in the Marvel movies um, and also because Jim Zdarsky is primarily a comedy writer. Mm. And this was a fairly... I think I have really high expectations of Chip as well because I like I love what he does when he does it well so, so much. And this felt really, really average to me. I really like the fact that they're actively making him like a sexy character. Like he's got his shirt off for a significant period of the comic and Chris Anker obviously spent a lot of time getting getting that body right. Um, and Abigail Brand shows up as well. Yeah. yeah. But this was like, this is just kind of like, I don't know. I don't, yeah. Not much really happens in this issue. Like, it's sort of Peter's stuck on Earth and Abigail Brand gives him a phone with um, the numbers of the only two people that he knows on Earth, which, who are his ex-girlfriend, Kitty Pride and Howard the Duck. And Howard doesn't want to hang out with him because Howard's problems are worse. And um, 
Kitty doesn't really want to see him because of relationships. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in, in, in the, the, it then turns into an old man Logan Star-Lord team-up book, which is not what I was expecting. But I actually really enjoyed Zadarsky's portrayal of old man Logan. Yeah, that was fun. A character who I don't really understand. Um, or care about. Yeah. That's me. But uh, I, I enjoyed him as like this like kind of like smart-aleck old man. Yeah, that's nice. And I, I like <laughs> if it kind of mimics some kind of like uh, Wolverine, Kitty Pride slash Jubilee slash Armor sort of relationship, I'm on board with that. Um and I'm, I'm totally willing to give this another shot, especially because Chris Anker, I think, knocks it out of the park. Yeah, the um, art's fantastic in this. And you know, you know, like for all of us kind of complaining about it, there are a lot of a few great moments of Zadarsky being silly that I really enjoyed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he's great at having characters argue. And he's great um, at having characters have feelings. Definitely. Um, one thing I want to point out, um, we, are, we are a podcast, and at one point uh, Star-Lord is uh, wearing a tank top uh, featuring another podcast, uh, P.S. I Love You XOXO, which is a super broy PlayStation podcast. Oh, I assumed it was a Gossip Girl reference. <laughs> um, it shows how much I know about nothing. Which you know, and I, I, I listen to this podcast sometimes, but I, I doesn't. I, I, I maybe the, maybe the right the creative team are just fans of it, but I in no universe does Star Lord listen to P.S. I Love You XOXO. Yeah, isn't he? I, I don't see him as much of a gamer. Maybe yeah, he is. I mean, why? If yeah, you, you have him. You have him on the gr- on, on his couch in front of a television. What, where's the controller, guys? Where's the PS controller? Why are you going to have him in a, P- in a po- PS podcast shirt? He's not even gaming, bruh. <laughs> anyway, that's the biggest. He's a fake gamer. Yeah, he's girl. A time I hate fake gamer girls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those are the Marvel books. Um, I'm going to stick with Star Lord. Yeah, and. I guess I'll give Captain Marvel number one a shot. Yeah, I'll give it a shot. But we've gotten to the point now where I'm actively looking to, uh, for books that I can just drop. Yeah, there's lots of we're, comics. We're reading a lot of comics. Um, and I know it's a dumb thing to complain about, but uh, we don't have to read all of them. Yeah. And, uh, I feel and that's like, why we're choosing to drop some. I hey. feel like Marvel and DC put out, you know, we read a bulk of their input. So yeah. if, if I'm going to drop anything, it'll be something that they put out. Yeah, absolutely. Or I might drop Gem and the Misfits number two, because I just read number one, written by Kelly Thompson. Wait, did you finish? Did we finish? Number ones? Yeah, this is number one. Oh, sorry. I thought you said... Oh, this right, is right. number one. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, actually, you know what? I kind of like this. Um, I, I don't know anything about the gym. Me neither. The That's why I didn't pick it stuff. up. But this is about the misfits who are like, I guess, like some rival band in the gem universe who, who are like... I feel like you would hate this because it's a lot of like broadly written, um, like, we're such different women mm. these are our main archetypes mm. like here, here are our quirks yes. kind of thing. <laughs> sometimes that really appeals to me but most of the time it does not um but uh i found it kind of like entertaining enough they it's about a a, a kind of shit band that decide like with their, their popularity waning they decide to do a reality tv show so this is the setup for that i'm gonna give it one more issue to see what the reality tv antics are like mm. and if those antics are spectacular enough i'm gonna stick on stick with it yeah, sounds like not my not my sort of thing. I think maybe I'm just like, I think I've spent too much time with Jim and I'm turning into a curmudgeon and I hate I hate young people. <laughs> I hate young people and I hate their antics. <laughs> um, we should tell everyone what Jim actually does at King's because he just is a sometime cameo. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking nothing, mate. Fucking nothing, mate. All right. He writes the newsletter. He writes the newsletter. If you letter. like our sassy newsletter, award-winning, diamond-award-winning newsletter. Fi- official chief orderer, right? Yeah, yeah. Jim orders all the Jim yeah. orders all the stuff. So if there's something that we didn't order enough of, you know who to blame? Talia. Talia. <laughs> 
she gives terrible oh, advice. Oh, lots of insight to the king's stuff <laughs> on this episode. Good stuff. That's what, that's what the fans want, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I don't even talk about the, the number ones that I actually really like yeah, this week. Um, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a few good ones. Um, the Lock and Key, um, Small World, uh, One Shot. Did you read this? No, no, because I've not read any Lock and Key. So it seems like I would you probably could, be a little bit lost. You and anyone listening could pick this up. Um, without any real knowledge of Lock and Key and enjoy it. That's good. Um, it's written by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son, mm-hmm. and drawn by Gabrielle Rodriguez. Um, they did the series Lock and Key together. Lock and Key is a fantastic horror, kind of fun horror adventure series about a family in a um, old house that, that where they find all these different keys that can do fantastic things, like you can unlock your mind and take things or put things into your own head, cool. or you can shrink yourself, or you can enter, you can swap, bodies with with different uh you know animals and people and you can tra- transform your 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 looks you can control shadows all this crazy stuff it's an unbelievably riveting adventure series so very surprising because it wrapped up re- very very neatly uh, a couple years ago um so i was very surprised to get a one shot from it um and this is uh um basically that it's a it, it's set in the late 1800s, um, just before the 20th century, and um, we see some uh, ancestors of the main family in Lock and Key uh, playing with a dollhouse. Um, they, ha- they have a key that when you put it in the dollhouse, it is a replica of the house that they're in at the time, and you can see everybody in the rooms in the dollhouse, and the kids who, who are given the, the, the keys to the dollhouse start messing with their brothers and other people in the house. And uh, the youngest person accidentally lets a spider into the dollhouse who then uh, appears in their real house as a big ginormous spider Spooky. and starts like kind of tracking all the, all the family down. Um, oh, wow. It's a significantly less dark um, issue of, of Lock and Key um, with a happy ending. Mm. Um, but uh, it, was a, it was really, really fun to revisit this world. And I forgot how fun... The, I mean, even just describing to you all the, all the, yeah. all the abilities that the keys had, um, even describing to you, like, 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 that was exciting. I'm like, oh, man, I really want to revisit this series again. Yeah, I, I highly recommend everyone do so. Yeah, that's one of those series that people are like, why haven't you read that, Siobhan? Um, all it would take, don't have time, pick but. up the first trade and you'd be hooked. I actually binged the first four trades in, I think, a night. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was when I was still... When I f- like first got Comicsology, I was just I had it on my phone before right, I had an right. iPad. So I read like thirty issues of comics <laughs> on my phone. That sounds like the worst way to read comics of all time. Hey, it works. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Lock and Key number one, a Small World, highly recommended. Obviously for fans of Lock and Key, but also if you wanted to give a peek into what this um, series is all about, and also get a peek of Gabriel Rodriguez' incredible art. Uh, he's one of my favorite artists, and he doesn't do that much. You should definitely check check it out. Yeah. Uh, also, that came out this week, Dark Horse put out Dead Inside, a new series by John Arcudi, who we've uh, enjoyed uh, on various Hellboy Universe stuff. Uh, he also is the writer of Rumble on Image, mm-hmm. and um, he's done some really great crime, true crime stories and um, crime comics mm-hmm. uh, in the past. So this is his new series, Dead Inside, with art by Tony Faisula. Nailed it. I reckon that's actually did. Yeah, I actually think you yeah, did yeah. a good job then. Better <laughs> um, than I was going to do. And uh, colors by Andre May. Uh, this is a like a hard crime book about a detective, who, prison investigator, prison investigator. Yeah, she's she's kind of been delegated or kind of pushed into this role where she can't. She's you know a bit uppity, and so the the department have put her into a role where she can't really have much say, and her things get her ideas and 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 kind of. Way, the way she wants to take the key cases get get overruled a lot, mm-hmm. um, so she's very frustrated. Um, and this this she finds th- there have been two deaths 
inside a prison and she's investigating it. It looks like a, looks like a murder suicide, but she thinks that there's uh, uh, something antics going afoot. On. <laughs> I really enjoyed this, Me and too. like we get a lot of crime comics, and it can be easy to go like, oh man, they're all the same. What new stories can you tell? But like the final reveal of this made me genuinely put down the comic and go, what? Yep. That's crazy. <laughs> um, and the art is so good and so different, like so unusual. Um, yeah, really, really enjoyed this. And she's such a like fully fleshed out seeming character, like the sort of hard drinking, smoking female um, detective is like fairly, a fairly well-known trope by this point. But like they've, uh, really, really, like, he really simply sort of fleshed her out in a really nice way, like, her relationship with her ex-husband and, like, just really, I, I thought it was really cleverly done. Yeah, and it kind of plays her vices as actually something that can, like, doesn't really help her in her life at all. You know, yeah. sometimes they, it gets glorified in comics. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. She's a grizzled old detective who drinks and smokes a lot and this one, like, you know, she, she, she fucks up the case almost because she's drunk and she yeah. can't chase down a lead. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. And uh, if you want to read one of my favorite crime comics from the last few years um, that, that John Alcudi wrote is called The Creep. Have I ever lent that to you? Yeah, and I still haven't read it. So oh, man, you're crazy. <laughs> it's such a good book. It's about, it's about a detective with a, with a, like a private investigator with, and, and he's got a real fucked up face. And, cool. And uh, there's some murders. It's, it's real good fun. That yeah. does sound cool. Yeah, so uh, I highly recommend... Dead Inside, probably my favorite number one this week, maybe. Yeah, up and there the, with Hookjaw for sure. The art is very, very um, unique too. Um, really painted quality. Really textured. Yeah, all good stuff. Very, very good. Some um, really grisly murders. Very good, guys. Do you want to talk about Gumballs? Yeah, so I read um, Gumballs, which is a... It's nice to see something like this actually printed in single issue. Um, this is from Top Shelf by Aaron Nations. Um, and it's sort of like short form autobiocomics and with a couple of sort of bits and pieces about other people but it's um, very much about Aaron who is a um, young trans person who is in the process of transitioning and it's got some really personal stuff um, also some like less personal stuff stories about other people who have I don't know whether they've written to him or um, how that's how that's worked, but yeah, it's like if you like autobiocomics, I think this is a really good um, example of the form, and I really enjoyed it. And some great displays of really great cartooning. Um, yeah, absolutely. Great line work, really, really sweet models of the characters. Yeah, very simple. Sort of reminds me a little bit of, um, in terms of art, like Bad Machinery, John Allison kind of uh-huh. stuff, but like blockier. If that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, very enjoyable. And nice colours too. Yeah, absolutely nice colours. And a really nice, like, a nice single issue from Top Shelf. Top Shelf do really beautifully printed stuff. Is it a one and done? Um, I don't think so. It says issue one, so I'm hoping it's going to be ongoing. It's almost like a little anthology. Yeah. Also than a story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, final number one that we can talk about this week is Divinity number three, number one. Mm-hmm. It's the third mini series of Divinity written by Matt Kint and with art by Trevor Hairstein. Uh, for Valiant. Um, the first two vi- Divinity uh, stories are all about uh, basically cos- a, co- a, 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 a spaceship full of cosmonauts gets lost in space and when they return to Earth, they have superpowers. Crazy powers. Um, very, very like like Superman level superpowers. Yeah. And uh, basically it's kind of like Russia uses them to lead the world. Yeah, to take how- over. Well, because the the divinity powers are more like reality bending, so it's kind of like they have no limits, almost kind of Scarlet Witchy, maybe. Right. Um, and so in this, they like it's set currently, but history has been remade from 
um, from like the 20s in favour of the Soviet Union. So we see Bloodshot, the the valiant character who is now Commander Bloodshot and has a, a hammer and sickle on his chest. Um, I would be so interested to talk to a Russian person about this, <laughs> about this series and see what they think of it. But I really, I really enjoyed this. I think it's... Um, it's kind of almost like a cool spy comic yeah. for most of the way through it, which is very, very different to the Divinity books that we've seen previously. Um, and well, we yeah. only see one of the other Divinities. Yeah, and nothing makes nothing makes a uh, alternate timeline story more appealing than having just one character know that this is not the right timeline. Yeah, that's always the and best. And so we follow him uh, for most of this comic book, trying to get back to the right timeline. Um, but yeah, this is, this is, there's a whole bunch of Stalinverse books coming out through Valiant over the next couple months. Um, in fact, one comes out this week. Um, Commander Bloodshot. Commander Bloodshot, written by Jeff Lemire, who's doing Bloodshot at the moment. Uh, so this is going to be a fun fun series. Uh, I didn't love this first issue as much as I liked the uh, first two series of uh, Divinity. But then once you kind of realize where they're going with this, yeah. stick to the end of this issue, guys. Um, it gets it's real worth good. it. Yeah. It's, like, it's a slower start than we've seen in the other Divinity books. And it's less kind of cosmic and mind-bendy and more kind of... World-building almost. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's clever and I'm, I'm keen to see where it goes. Yeah. And the art's great. And the covers are great. It's great, guys. Guys, it's, it's real great. great. And we'll be reviewing another Matt Kent book, which is also great, later in the episode. But first, we have to play our award-winning uh, one best, best uh, comic book podcast uh, regular segment, Flip a Coin for Marvel or DC. And I swear I had a coin with me, but then the, the fire alarm went off. Oh, here's one. Here we go. go. Uh, so in this amazing segment, I flip a coin. And uh, depending on whether it lands heads or tails, we review DC or Marvel next. Uh, Siobhan, please, uh, for the last coin flip of 2016, heads, what, which is heads, Marvel or DC? Uh, Marvel is heads. Okay. Uh, and it is tails. We're oh, going to review DC, DC. first. All right. I read all of two DC books this week. Oh, I read tons. I read double that. <laughs> you read tons. Four. <laughs> Four comics. Um, Batman and Superman were the two books that I read. It, both of them were issues 13. Um, the Let's talk about Batman first because I feel like this yeah. is going to be one that a this lot of people more, are discussing. This is the more controversial. So a lot of people have like um, Tom King's sort of revelation that Batman's mission is an ongoing suicide attempt has ruffled a few people's feathers the wrong way. Um, I think it's like... It is a fine, if slightly more boring, um, take on the character than I was expecting from Tom King. I thought that he was going to do something a bit more clever, maybe use his kind of CIA background in some kind of really interesting way. Um, But I I really, I did like this wrap-up issue. I thought that it was um, a good way to tie up all of the the bits. I love a good double-cross bait and switch whatever you want to call it yeah definitely and like you know in the end this, this whole arc I am suicide in which they infiltrate Bane's uh, base Naked Bane I feel like he's a separate Naked character Bane, yeah. he, and, and trick him into thinking that he's one but then they double cross him and then they end up leaving with everything they came for aka pirate, psycho pirate is and in with the, his in back Gana. broken Catwoman breaks Bane's back um, but uh I, I I wasn't loving the, the the two issues within this arc which are letters to and from Batman and, uh, and Catwoman um, that kind of like a and it, the whole issue was like a, a, a letter narration. I, I thought that they really uh, halted the the pace of this arc. Um, I would have preferred them as bookends. I think they yeah. would have, and they, they could have provided a bit more perspective on the double cross, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought this issue really really wrapped things up. And for all the darkness that comes with saying that Batman 
existing as Batman is just an ongoing suicide attempt. This is actually quite a lighthearted, fun, and uh, at, at times goofy, but like wa- welcome goofy cartoon yeah. goofery. Um, and a, like a, quite a clever, like I liked the sort of reveal that the only person who can take down Psycho Pirate is um, Wesker. I can't remember his first name, who is the, the ventriloquist, the body of the ventriloquist, um, because the only person who can make him feel anything is the ventriloquist. All right, guys. It's, yeah, you know, it's Scarface. Like, Scarface. The, sorry, the ventriloquist sorry, sorry. only takes orders from ventriloquists. So when Psycho Pirate tries to alter his, his emotions, he can't because Scarface. Scarface is in control, guys. Yep. I, really, um, I thought that was really great. Yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was heaps clever. Heaps clever. Um, and I'm, I'm keen if this is now going to lead into a Bane arc, which is what it looks like it's going to be. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I think part of my issue is I really loved what Gail Simone did with Bane over Secret Six. I thought that was such a, such a compelling character that it's kind of always a little bit disappointing for me to have him be just like a Venom guy. Yeah, but I mean, they, they, they spent a lot of, before New 52 happened, a lot of kind of reforming of their of their main Batman villains. Yeah. So, like, Bane was kind of a good guy. Riddler was straight up a good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Catwoman was a good guy. Um, so, I, I kind of, I, I see why you would then kind of try and bring it back and this to is, having them more criminal And this is a minded. very scary version of Bane, which is cool. Definitely. He's still, but, you know, at, at his core, he wants to break the bat. Yeah. But instead, the bat breaks him. I really enjoyed... Um, Punch and Julie, who I thought had died, um, uh, that, that whole thing being a double cross, and that, yeah. that Cameron, Cameron wasn't actually a vicious double crossing killer. Um, I, I love that they made a chewing gum bubble around themselves, and then it <laughs> blew up into an inflatable raft. I thought that was something straight out of the animated series of Batman. That yeah, there was some cool silliness. Yeah, yeah, super fun. Um, so uh, look, I think overall, like, I, I get people are kind of disappointed by the Tom King Batman run, mm. but I feel like he's really playing the long game. And yeah. the only issues of this run that I haven't really enjoyed were the Monster Man arc. I think if yeah. you, you can just ignore that, and it actually has been a pretty good arc so far. And it's pretty hard. Like the double shipping schedule, I think, is probably really hard. Yeah, agreed. Um, so you also read Superman? Yeah, which is the um, uh, the the second issue of the Super Monster arc, the finale of the uh, team up between Superman and Frankenstein. Uh, in this, we are introduced to Frankenstein's bride. Hell yeah! Who is a four armed assassin um, working for some weird organization? They're trying to take down an alien who has been masquerading as Lois's new boss. Um, this alien can you can blow it apart and then it will reform, uh, like <laughs> like like the cool Terminator mechanism. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> This is like a really, really, like tonally nothing like the other issues of Superman. And I kind of liked that this is like way schlockier. Absolutely. This was heaps fun. I really enjoyed this. And the um, I really liked the DC version of Frankenstein and his bride. And there were some like cute moments there. And it was just it was just a straight up fun adventure. Yeah. And he's kind of become Tomasi's character yeah. um, since the Frankenstein and a- the Agents of Shade series ended. Um, and if you see, he kind of only pops up in the, the, uh, the stories that... Um, that Tomasi writes. Um, so uh, hopefully they're building him up. Maybe he'll be a big presence in the Super Sons run or something like that's coming up soon. I'd, I'd, I'd like cool. that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I like Frankenstein. And it looked like they sort of, um, a, a character who lives near Superman's new farm, um, wherever the hell that's supposed to be, who's, who who's previously the, saved him. It looks like they could be maybe setting up for there to be some conflict there, which I think could be cool. Yeah, definitely. So there's a couple of like little nods to the ongoing story as well as um, just a really fun Two issues and done arc. I love that. Yeah. And I know Wonder Woman won our best DC series 
of 2016, mm. rightfully so, but I also think uh, Superman deserves a spot by its side. This is just a always very good comic. Absolutely. So what were the books that I, that I forgot to read that you did? Um, I read Nightwing. Yep. After being a big complainy baby about how just because he's back in Bloodhaven doesn't mean it's going to be great. But actually, this issue was pretty good. So the last issue saw um, Nightwing getting a job at a like youth outreach center kind mm-hmm. of place in Bloodhaven and realizing that the girl who um, runs it is a minor villain that he put away years ago when she was a teenager. Um, and there's a bit of like cool romantic friction between them there. Um, and it turns out that she runs a support group for reformed supervillains who are just trying to make it work. And Nightwing shows up trying to arrest them all the time. Well, isn't it, isn't it specifically um, like a support group for, for vil- villains who were taken down by Nightwing? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, all people who are very personal to him. Um, but there's some really, like... I, I don't know any of these characters. Like, they are very minor, <laughs> minor villains. Um, so there's, like, Stallion, who was a former football pro. And his whole thing is that, like, he gets really angry because he can't um, accept the fact that when he's trying to hit men, actually what he is trying to just do is be close to them. So he's, like, this sort of <laughs> conflicted gay character. Um, and everyone sort of has has something really full-on going on. And it's a, like, I, th- I like this. I think it was actually really uh, pretty fun, you know? I'm going to try and read this uh, in, in all the free time I have between now and New Year's. Um, what was the last DC book I you also read? read um, Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye, issue three um, from DC's Young Animal series, written by Gerard Way, with art by John Rivera and Michael Aben oming they, co- they co-wrote it, John Rivera oh, okay, right, and, sorry. Uh, and uh, Gerard Way co-wrote this one. Um. This is such a weird, weird adventure comic, but it's so fun. So Cave um, and his daughter and is this guy, what's this guy's name again? Wild Dog? Mad sure. Dog? Wild Whatever. Dog. The guy who wears a hockey mask. <laughs> um, they are going to find the city that Cave's um, former wife, who was a princess of some underground city, um, and his daughter's mother. They're going to find her city, but they arrive too late and it's not good um and we see some creepy icky villains and some cool under underground adventure stuff and it's just it's it's really fun it's really clever ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
I really like this. And this really fun weird little backup strips um, that are like set in sort of weird characters. Like the first one I think is about the Wonder Twins, but it's this weird Victorian version of the Wonder Twins. Um, and then the next one is about Green Arrow, which is the best origin story for Green Arrow ever. Really? It's like he lands on the island, all normal, lands on the island, um, but the island is like a Starro, kind <laughs> of, and he... Um, calls himself Zine Arrow. That's what his name is supposed to be after the... That's what the alien was called that he landed on. <laughs> um, but everyone mishears it and calls him Green Arrow. Great. Yeah, really fun. These are all, all the little backups are by Tom, Tom Scully. Yeah, they're very, very cool. Really fun. It's Tom Scioli. Um Yeah, cool. I'm going to catch up on that one as well. Uh, shall we review some Marvel books? Yes, let's do it. There were a bunch of them. Um, there were. There was let's, let's do the good and then work our way to the not good. Okay. Um, well, the good. Good. Doctor Strange, number 15, by Jason Aaron, up by uh, Chris Pacello. And unfortunately, um, some very capable, but when you're doing... when you're, like, there's, a, there's a backup artist, uh, Jorge Fornes, and uh, I just think like you have su- he's such, a, such an in, like, you, irreplaceable style mm. that when you put Pacello's art next to anything, even, no matter how good it is, it just looks weird. Yeah, absolutely. So when, when the fill-in pages, and there aren't that many of them, but they just seem very stark. It's the only bad thing I can say about this issue, mm-hmm. which places... Like basically, Doctor Strange is running a gauntlet of all of his villains, uh, except in this one, he doesn't face one of his own villains. He faces uh, one of uh, Jason Aaron's kind of creations, the uh, the Orb, who was a character that he reintroduced in his Ghost Rider run. Uh, the Orb is just a man with a massive eye for a head. Uh, he played a big role in the or- original Sin, and he's um, just like event. he's just a skeevy dude. Like he's a bad dude, but mostly he's just like. A big weirdo. Yeah, and he, Jason Aaron, clearly has a lot of fun writing this character. And this issue has uh, the Orb hijack Doctor Strange in a cab, and basically he's the, the Orb is kind of the Watcher now mm. because he's stolen the Watcher's eye and he's strapped it to his chest. <laughs> and um, he but now instead has- of watching, he is also like taking action. He's finding all these really depraved people and pushing them to do the terrible things that they secretly want to do. It's pretty like. And somehow that manages to be really funny. Yeah. Um, and then in the end, the end of the issue has basically all of Doctor Strange's villains who have been pursuing him over the last few issues kind of show up to try and take him down at the end. We see different, like, no one is better at bringing things back from early mm. runs, you know, and just piling them all on at the same time than Jason Aaron. He's so good at referencing older stories that he's done. Absolutely. And uh, it looks like we're now going to see J- Doctor Strange finally fa- facing Dormammu. So, well done to Jason Aaron for waiting 16 issues before mm. having Dumamu show up as a proper threat. Yeah. I feel like any lesser writer would have him show up in issue one. And because this is such a depowered Doctor Strange, he's really relying on specific magical artifacts to, to defeat these people. It's really compelling because he's not overpowered. Yeah. Yeah, at one point he wraps, wrap, is it like Tutankhamun's like mummy like bandage mummy around bandages. his fist so he can punch, punch magic things? Yeah, this is a great series. I... I, I when it started, I was like, oh, this is one of my least favorite things that Jason Aaron's doing at the moment, mm. but it's kind of my favorite now, I think. Yeah. No thought oh, came no. out this week. There's a lot about. of good stuff. He's a great writer. He is. He's really killing it across uh, the board. Yeah. Uh, Cage came out this week too. You By can This is your favorite. This is your favorite book, right? Oh, it's so fun. I love it so much. It's so like weird it's so weird and not what most people would expect so it's like very um a 70s version of luke cage he's very like sassy kind of dumb yeah yeah he's like a big dumb guy big dumb strong guy um but it's like this is so 
dynamic and cartoony. And I, like, I understand like this is not to everyone's taste because it's not a traditional superhero comic. Man, I love the idea of someone watching the Luke Cage. Oh my god, yes! Netflix, like the fucking mopey, <laughs> drawn out Luke Cage Netflix series, and going, oh, I really like that. I might go check out this Luke Cage comic book, and then just getting this like insane hypercolor wackiness. Yeah. Um, and this has like a whole bunch of crazy characters in it. So it has like um, Iron Fist, Dazzler, Black Panther, Misty Knight, and what's this Doctor guy Voodoo. called? Doctor Voodoo. Um, and they, they're very all 70s. all basically being captured by these uh, anthropomorphic animal men. <laughs> animal men. Uh, and they're now being forced to battle the Animal Men, and we see Misty Knight and Iron Fist taken out. And this, there's, there's one more issue of this great series left, and. Um, the cover is fantastic. It's so brilliant. Cage gets knocked out of his own comic on the cover <laughs> of the next issue. Um, this is going to be just one of those like super recommended runs if if you know yeah. anyone that likes humor comics and just great great cartooning. Yeah, uh, this just is, something this has been really, a really different fun as well. And such an amazing color palette. I don't know who. The, so the colorist is Scott Wills, and it's so. Oh, I'm so I'm so bad at describing this because there's nothing else like it. It's like this amazing, crazy, trippy Technicolor dream. I love it. It's great. It's so brilliant. Cage, great book. All right. Did you have any other comics that Marvel put out that you really liked this week? Um, I did really enjoy this week's issue of Black Panther: World of Wakanda. Haven't read it yet, um, but I will. So this is written. Um, written by Roxanne Gay, consulted by Tanihisi Coates, um, pencils by Aletha E. Martinez, and this is about the two characters from the um, Dora. What the hell are they called? Dora the Dora Milaje, um, who are the sort of secret. Well, not secret, but they were like the wives of the Black Panther slash his like private army um, slash protectors, and this is about them. Two of the members, Ao and the other one, Anika, um, Anika and Ao, who um, fall in love and realize that Black Panther is no longer doing what they consider to be in the best interests of Wakanda, and so they um, they leave him to to be on their own path. And this is one of the most like charming, wonderful romances in comics that I've read in a long time. I'm so attached to these characters now. It's really genuinely beautiful. It's great to see a different perspective of Black Panther. Um, you know, like this is set a couple of years ago, but it's uh, it's a perspective that we haven't seen mm-hmm. um, in the Black Panther comics, and it's really enjoyable. I really like this. I think if you like the Black Panther series, this is a really welcome addition um, to what's going on. Definitely. Very good. I look forward to reading it. Um, Punisher number seven. Yep. This is the last comic that Steve Dillon ever worked on. No way. Um, and he, he, he was able to finish half of this issue before before he uh, passed away, sadly, earlier in the year. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think you know, it's a great continuation of what has been a surprisingly good run from Absolutely. Becky Clunan, who I've not, you know, she hasn't really, I've not really read that many things that she's written um, before this, and I, I really, really like her take on Frank Castle and this fucked up world that he's inside of. Yeah, it's a very um, silent, angry Frank Castle, which I quite enjoy. It's my favorite kind of Frank um, Castle, and it also makes it a quick read. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is like a yeah, a great fight scene. Um, the Punisher holding his own against two um, superpowered. There's like a drug you can take that, that makes you gives you superpower, like it gives you super strength and invul- almost inv- invulnerability. It's basically venom. Um, yeah, basically venom. Uh, and he takes on two people like that. There's a on, this horrible threat. The, the face off guy. Um, what's his name? Face. 
Yeah, isn't he just called Face? Yeah. The guy who takes people's faces off. Um, and uh, now we see this issue ends with Frank Castle stumbling into a uh, disgusting old lady's house with a shotgun. Um, and uh, there's a lovely little note at the end of this issue that uh, I think that this is probably the last page that, that Steve Dillon turned in. And um, he was sick when he turned it in. And um, the editor, uh, Jake, Jake T., um, basically said, you know, how's it going? And he's like, I, I reckon I'll feel better now that I don't have to look at this woman's face anymore. <laughs> so that was pretty sweet. And uh, he also, Jake, the editor, goes on to talk about trying to pick the right image to remember Steve Dillon by. And they, of course, they went with um, something from uh, the Punisher um, Max run that he and Garth Ennis did. But uh, he really wanted to go with one of the the Welcome Back Frank panels, which is um, Frank Castle punching a polar bear. I mean, how else do you yeah. <laughs> honor someone's legacy? Which is, uh, it was actually the cover image on the uh, Serious Issues comic book group, which you can join. Facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues podcast. Come and join us there. We can talk about Frank Castle punching polar bears and any animal of your choosing. He punches a lot of things, guys. Um, I really enjoyed Dr. Afro number two. Maybe not as much as number Same. one. But it's written by Kieran Gillen and art by Kev Walker. The great um, Kev Walker. The great Kev Walker. Um, this is... Uh, the first Marvel Star Wars book um, featuring a character who was made up in the comics. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, there's, in fact, there's very little kind of tying you to the main Star Wars world in this comic, which is, I think, um, way more fun. Absolutely. The stakes are higher and um, you can kind of do a lot more. Um, Dr. Afra was introduced in the Darth Vader run um, and her doctorate has been reprimanded um, due to the actions of her father, who is basically conning her into helping him find an old order of uh of they weren't quite jedi they weren't quite sith they're basically like an, an order of people who maybe achieved immortality mm. and so he's he's been basically wasted his entire life trying to find them and now he has the coordinates to to basically locate them and he's got to he's got to get his daughter and her droids and evil wookie to uh to help him this is heaps of fun it's super fun like it sounds like such a silly concept because it's like basically an evil Han Solo with an evil Chewie and evil R2-D2 and C-3PO. But it's like, it's so fun. And just because of that. Yeah, almost. the shit works. Absolutely. I- I'm sure Steel Saunders uh, would think otherwise. Yeah, I feel like Star Wars fans will probably not enjoy this. <laughs> but I really, as a comic fan, I, I do enjoy this quite a lot. Heaps enjoyable. Uh, the Avengers 2.1, which is the Mark Wade and Barry Kitson seri- series, which is kind of like a um, retelling of an, the early days of the Avengers when... Um, Iron Man and Thor and Hulk kind of took 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 time off after the first few issues of the Avengers, and there was a fill-in team of Captain America, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver. Um, they had to take over. This issue is really really fun. It is narrated by Quicksilver, and I baffled that you don't read this, Siobhan, because it actually is super up your alley. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Why, I don't know why I didn't like it. I just thought it was super average, and I have enough super average team books on my list at the moment thank you very much this is my favorite marvel book that mark wade is writing on obviously besides uh black widow which uh which i just found out he's only he's only gonna be a 12 issue run which is a big bummer it's a travesty guys um but uh this is a really really fun comic if you if you love those early avengers comics and it is it feels completely different to any of the avengers books that marvels are putting putting out now anyway so yeah i like i thought this was fun Okay. Fuck you, Shimon. Speaking, speaking of other Avengers books, um, Ultimates, Ultimates, Ultimate Squared, Ultimates Two. I don't know what that's supposed to be. By Al um, Ewing and art by Travel Foreman. I like Travel Foreman. I, I I'm torn. I love his facial work, and I love his character stuff, but I find his backgrounds 
And I read this and then immediately I read the Thanos comic, which is art by Mike Diodato. And neither of them are very good at drawing interesting backgrounds. It's just mm. like lines and like big empty spaces. Are hard. <laughs> I don't know. They're kind of fucking necessary. There's a lot of blank space in these in this book. <laughs> it's true. There is. But um, I do like his, uh, his uh, facial work. I hated all the weird... Um, like 3D art that kind of looks like it was done in the 90s using like a, like the world's biggest computer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, you, you tell me some things you liked about this. Um, uh, it's just kind of fun, right? This is <laughs> like this is Galactus the Life Bringer, and he's been brought into the the. Uh, I don't really know much about cosmic. Space He's been brought in stuff. basically like because Galactus has uh, is no longer the the devourer of worlds. He is now the life bringer. They there is a, a the living tribunal gets called like in the cosmos. They need to bring order back to the cosmos. All the, all the cosmic entities are are worried that this is too big of a change and they need to restore order. So either they force him to be the devourer of worlds again, or they assign someone new. Meanwhile, um, the Ultimates team. Uh, this is like a real deep cut, like kind of dealing with a character that appeared in Dan Slott's Silver Surfer run during yeah. the Secret Wars event. Which I haven't, I didn't read, but I still, like, you could still understand it basically was what was going on. It was just a cosmic thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is just this is a very big setup-y episode. Yeah. Um, issue, sorry. I think uh, I just really like, I really like this team. I really like um, Miss America and Blue Marvel and Black Panther and Monica Rambo. I think that's like a really solid, fun team. And Al Ewing writes a good Captain Captain, Amer- Captain Marvel too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is probably the most compelling and interesting that Carol comes across in any comic at the moment. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I, I also read Occupy Avengers. Did you I read this? I got to read this one. I saw that at the store today. I was like, oh, I didn't pick this one up. Damn it. Yeah, this was actually like, this is pretty fun. It's kind of already wrapped up the first little story, which was um, all about Hawkeye. He's just traveling the land, trying to trying to redeem himself after shooting um, Bruce Banner through the eye. And he goes onto a um, reservation, an Native American reservation, where the water is being stolen by a bunch of jerks. Um, this is just like this is good this is just good fun this is written by David Walker so the characters are like believable and compelling and everyone actually has a different voice Mm -hmm. Um, the art by Carlos Pacheco is really nice Um, I like that it was kind of just a little two issue story and then done but now we're going to see Red Wolf and Hawkeye continuing on um, a sort of road trippy adventure together. And there's rumour that Nighthawk is going to join them quite soon. I mean, that's a fun team up. Definitely. Yeah, and there's a there's a coming this year in Occupy Avengers. Oh, there's um, Nighthawk page. in there is. Um, there's Nighthawk, there's um, someone in a wheelchair. I don't know who that is. Professor um, Xavier? The classic, <laughs> classic Nick Fury and Captain America threatening to kill Hawkeye. I love stuff like that. Um, so heaps fun. Heaps yep. good. Really Sweet. enjoyed that. Awesome. Um, Thanos number two by Jeff Lemire and Mike Diodato. Uh, I don't care about this book and it's too many big, dumb cosmic ideas and characters and apparently Thanos is dying but also people are going to try and kill him. At the end of this, um, uh, we see, what's it called? Um, what's Gladiators? Uh, the Shi'ar Imperial Guard show up. Yep. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It was just, it's like, it's like, there's just so many characters and none of them are being explored very well. Yeah, like, I mean, this is this does rely on you knowing who Star Fox and who's the other guy who's like the chunky gladiator guy I don't know who he is uh, but anyway relying on who, knowing yeah. who these people are which I clearly don't but or Mike Diodato draws a fucking killer Thanos I really like I really like his Thanos yeah um, again and this great, is like, great, great character work but just shit background this is an evil Thanos as well who shows up to uh, kill his father 
Yeah. Really um, good. But we've, I've, I've seen comics in which he kills his mother. He kills every one of yeah. his children. Look, he killed everyone one time. <laughs> he he <did>. loves death. <laughs> um, he straight so up not, loves death. I think, yeah, like in a very literal sense. Um, I think that the best Thanos story of all time will always be the Infinity Gauntlet. I think that's a pretty perfect um, superhero book and superhero event. And he's so genuinely scary in that in a way I was not expecting. Um, yeah, but I like I like Thanos I like talking to a skeleton. Though. I yeah, want to see him talk yeah. to a skeleton. I want to see him trying to bone a skeleton again. <laughs> some, I'm trying to see him bone some bones. <laughs> um, but this is... I didn't hate this. You know what I mean? And I like... Oh, yeah. I, who's, the, who's, the, who's that chick? Whose name I forget? Who's um, the Shia? Something Smasher. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like... Something Smasher. Smasher. Just Smasher? Something like that, yeah. I was going to say Adam Smasher, but that's a JSA. Um, but she was in um, Hickman's Avengers yeah. run. Actually, a lot of um, characters and ideas we're seeing in here were all part of um, Hickman's Avengers run. Yeah. So I like that part of it. And, I, you know, I, I, I'm definitely going to read issue three because Gladiator's in it. And I at love least, Gladiator. Yeah, Gladiator is great. And at the very least, this is at least like a new Thanos story. We haven't seen Thanos dealing with like an internal cancer before. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, cool. All right. Do you think Thanos is going to die at the end of the series? Um, yes, but probably not for long. What if this series brought back War Machine? <laughs> That'd be unexpected. And that cool. would be. That would be heaps unexpected. <laughs> Who would believe that? Did you read Venom number two? Uh, I did. <laughs> this is fucking weird comic. This is a weird. I just. I think honestly, I I don't, I don't mind where the story's going. I yeah. Just, and 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 I generally I, I like the art. Overall, but I just you know what I hate this book. I hate his hair. Yeah, his hair is so stupid. <laughs> his hair is like this weird anime. It's 90s. kind of like Phoenix Wright, but not as good. Yeah, it's you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, and, I, and it seems so fickle to like you know be genuine, generally okay with a book, but just to just sledge it because he has the worst <laughs> hair ever. But he has the dumbest hair. But it's in such comics a like it really is a funny like it feels like a very funny nineties throwback style, which kind of makes me like it more. Sure. Um, I think my problem is I just don't like this is kind of interesting because this is like Venom previously was in the body of Flash Thompson. That's his name. Right? So he was good. So, so he was good. The so this symbi- is a good wants Venom. to be good. Yeah. This is a good Venom in the body of an evil dude, which is kind of an interesting, like interesting thing that we haven't seen before. So I sort of, I think because Venom is such a like, like nineties extreme bro character that I kind of get a little bit automatically eye rolly, but I actually enjoyed this more than I thought I would. Yeah. Even like I was reading the whole thing being like, oh, I hate this. And now I'm going back through it. I'm like, you know what? I actually kind of enjoyed this. It's pretty clever. And the art's pretty um, dynamic. And there are some funny, funny little moments. If someone wants to like for like issue three, if they could get it before I read it and then Photoshop an afro onto the main <laughs> character instead of his regular hair, I'd appreciate that. That would be amazing. I, I might really enjoy this book. <laughs> um, finally, I read Squadron Supreme. I have not read one issue of this before, but I Yeah, why did you pick it up? Well, I've been you know what? I wanted to pick I almost picked that up as well because of Namor on the cover. Namor's on the cover. Um and the first issue of this apparently he lost it, he gets decapitated. Oh, wow. So this is him he's been brought back to life in this issue. Awesome. But I've been reading all of the original Supreme Power and Squadron Supreme stuff um that um J Michael Straczynski did oh, yeah. in the 90s over at Marvel and it's really really fun captivating series and now I understand why Hyperion and and Nighthawk and um, all the characters from that doc- Dr. Whatever the fuck um, <laughs> That's his name um, I now understand why they're compelling And why they exist to begin with yeah. And so I was like I wonder what they're like now And this is an okay book I guess I might I might go back and read it all On like Marvel Unlimited or something mm, Interesting Good stuff Good stuff um, I read a couple more Marvel comics I 
after like being like, I read um, Invincible Iron Man issue two by Brian Michael Bendis, everyone's favorite, um, with art by Stefano Caselli. So this is the Riri Williams um, Iron Heart book. And we did and not like issue one. I didn't like issue one, mostly because I would love for this character to be able to develop without a stupid artificial intelligence version of Tony being a jerk this whole time. Um, and I think that this kind of is a comic that plays to Bendis' strengths because it's not super plot driven. It's just kind of training stuff which works and more origin story stuff so in the last issue we saw that Riri Williams um, uh, her new stepfather and her best friend were shot in a drive-by shooting in maybe not the most intelligent sensitive that's um, the origin story for every black person in the world yeah exactly like this is what happens it's a rite of passage I'm lying Uh, it's a terrible thing I hated it I thought it was terrible um The thing that I liked about this, which actually surprised me, is the training session with Tony Stark because he gets all of his all of his Iron Man suits to attack Riri at once to to put her through her paces. And it seems like she's really struggling and not doing a good job. And then she sort of outsmarts him in a really cool, clever way. Um, and I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, actually, you, seeing watching you flick through these things and seeing this battle of all the suits actually looks really fun. And the art's really nice. Who is it again? Stefano Caselli is very, very good, and it's very reminiscent, I think, um, of Bendis's best stuff. Like it has a bit of an Ultimate Spider-Man vibe. Yeah, well, I mean, which is a big compliment. I to think Caselli actually did some Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, stuff. absolutely. And of Bendis always gets paired with stuff. good. Always gets paired with good artists. Yeah, absolutely. Except for that weird run on Ultimate Spider-Man just before Peter died, where it was weird at anime. I didn't like that. I love that. Did you? I, I don't know. I didn't really read it. <laughs> but you said it and I went, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds good. Sign me up. Um, so of all the Bendis books that I'm reading. <laughs> which is, is all of them. This is, which is all of them for some fucking reason. This is the best one for sure. Um, I also read Sam Wilson, Captain America by with Nick the, Spencer. With the fantastic Misty Knight cover. Yes, with art by Angel Unzueta. Didn't it. nail it. And Simon... <laughs> Kudransky. Maybe um, nailed it a little mm, more than the other one. Mm. Um, so this is kind of Misty forcing Sam to just take a weekend off and go on a road trip with his brother and have a bit of chill time because it's been really extreme lately. And she's Misty Knight. She can handle whatever Captain America bullshit you can throw at her. Um, so you get a little bit of cool Misty Knight history. And then... So this, this, <laughs> this is what crazy. Ha- So this is what happens while, while he's gone to the wrestling pl- no 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 issue? no this is like he goes on a road trip with his brother and okay, they right. go and try like artisanal foods okay, really um, yeah that's i'm what definitely gonna read this <laughs> um and this is all about um lady Stiltman, a <laughs> criminal i've never heard of who just has really really long um legs and it's also like i mean it wouldn't be an expensive story if it didn't have something to do with like hacking or the internet or something like that. Um, so this is all about various superheroines having sex tapes leaked, except that they're not actually the superheroines slash villains. They're life model decoys. Oh, wow. <laughs> and there's like this gross um, fat sort of troll dude who is who is producing them and selling them to the highest bidder. Um, and so Misty Knight goes in and interrupts his plans, feeds him to the sharks, goes and attacks a bunch of dudes for buying gross sex tapes of um, people that, who didn't want them to buy them. It's like it's another pretty fun one and done issue and yep. I enjoyed it. He's Ends in it. makeouts. Pretty good. Yep. Oh, I read this. Oh, did you? Okay, so cool. We can talk about this. Um, I read 
issue 22 of The Amazing Spider-Man, written by Dan Slott, with and art by Christos Gage. Gage and... The oh, no, wait. Hang on. They wrote Sorry. it together. Dan Slott and Christos Gage wrote it. Giuseppe Cumancoli is the artist. My bad. So, the Clone Conspiracy event book I have not been enjoying, but I've actually been kind of enjoying these Spider-Man issues that kind of tell you more about mm. the big moments in the Clone Conspiracy stories. And this is all about Ben Riley, what he's been doing since, yeah. since the Clone Saga. How he kind of, how he came back, how he came to be, and why he thinks that reanimating um, Uncle Ben is a good idea. It's not a good idea, guys. I still maintain that it's not a good idea. Well, I mean, everyone knows in, that's been reading the Clone Conspiracy that it's not a good idea because everyone turns to zombies. Everyone turns to zombies. Oh, I didn't read the last issue <laughs> that, so I didn't know that. Um <laughs> But so this gives you a little bit of like I'm not super familiar. I haven't read the original clone clone stuff, so this gives you and a you fairly shouldn't. succinct history of Ben Riley and then what happens to him. So the original Jackal um clones him and then continues killing him and cloning him in different ways to make his body perfect because the bodies um keep deteriorating. And then Ben Riley finally breaks free, discovers a way to stop his body deteriorating with those weird little pills that he makes everyone stay on. Um and then starts cloning the original Jackal and clones a million of him to use as his slaves. And it's pretty, like, simultaneously fucked up, but you also sympathize with Ben and you get what's going on. And in the end, even Peter sort of is sympathizing with him and, like, is like, okay, well, uh, tell me what tell me what your plan is for bringing Uncle Ben back. Yep. But it is like, <laughs> like they are standing over <laughs> Uncle Ben's... Um, exhumed coffin the whole time in a slightly <laughs> heavy heavy way but it's clever like Dan Slott Dan Slott knows Spider-Man you know yeah, and totally. I feel like it's one of those ones that I will drop off Spider-Man for a while and then jump back on and be so shocked by how good it is and how compelling he still manages um, to make it after so long very clever definitely Cool. Those are our Marvel and DC reviews. Now let's review some good comics. Yeah. <laughs> um, Black Hammer, number six. Woo! By Jeff Lemire, Dean Ormston, and Dave Stewart. We've loved every issue of this series, and this may have been maybe my favorite. I don't know. Yeah. I loved the, like, it starts with a very sort of classic EC horror sort of, come readers and let me tell you a tale of woe. Yeah. Um, so which we, I loved. The last few issues have kind of explored each character in more depth. We learn more about their backstory and their current troubles that they're facing trapped in this weird dimension. And everyone's kind of like a golden age superhero or not even golden, just a golden age comic trope. Yeah, exactly. And uh, this one, we, we learn the, the, the horror element of the, of the team, which is Madam Dragonfly, who was not actually an original member of, um, of, of the golden age heroes. Um, she basically just ca- came to help this one time and then got transported to this weird town that they can't escape after that one battle. And she has um, a very horrifying origin story which is very very good yeah yeah super super actually you know proper grim uh beginning and also maybe she might be one of the reasons that they can't leave Mm. this weird dimension uh and she she does something pretty on the side of evil yeah um at the end which is very shocking and cool and clever and yeah Yeah. i love this book man it's such a good book this is like you know we, we, we say this about a lot of books but this is we put it in one of in our best comics of yeah. 2016. When this it is, only had like two issues out. This is a must read. A must it really read is. And series. Dean Ormston is such a good artist. Definitely. Like there, there's a sort of, it does feel very in sync with like Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. Like it makes sense that this is where that comic lives. Yep. Um, 
And it's just, yeah, it's super brilliant. Dark Horse, we've got some good comics out at the moment. Yeah, we're reviewing so we most of them all? right now. But uh, yeah, I'm very, very, very looking forward to the uh, Black Hammer giant-sized annual coming out next month featuring, um, I mean, the, the cover is by Jeff Lemire, yeah. who, who, who writes this book. And as much as I love Dean Ormston, it's so good to see his versions of the characters. Absolutely. And it's got a big hammer in the middle. So oh. well, imagine if there was like, I hope there's like a Thor analog. That'd be fun. No, there, there is. Oh, who's the Thor? The, the, the Black Hammer is, is, oh! is, the, is the one one hero that hasn't been transported yeah. to this dimension. With well, we have to assume he died, and, and, right? Well, no. Well, this is his, this is his daughter who yeah. shows up at the end here. I got um, that. But there's art by uh, Lemire, Michael Allred, Dustin Nguyen, Emmy Lennox, Nate Powell, Matt Kent, what? and Ray Fawkes. That's such that an incredible lineup, lineup of, of uh, you know. It's the epitome of artists who are definitely an acquired taste. If you don't mm. like that sketchier style, this book is not for you at all. But that that is like such a in, in tune, great list of, uh, of, yeah. of uh, obviously, uh, Mike Ulrich's not sketchy, but he still is quite an acquired pop art taste. Absolutely. These, but, are all, these are all artists with distinctive styles. I'm excited to see what Dustin Nguyen is doing. Yeah. They're, they're, also, they're also frequent um, Lemire collaborators as yeah. well. Although I don't, think I've, I, don't think, I don't know if Ulrich and Lemire have ever collaborated before. It's exciting. I'm excited. Mm, it is exciting. Um, cool. Also coming out this week, featuring the aforementioned Matt Kint. Uh, he wrote a book called Ether with art by David Rubin. This is issue two of a, uh, a story about a homeless man who can travel to another dimension, which is all wacky, and he's trying to solve the mystery of uh, who killed, like a, kind of like the protector of, yeah. of this dimension, the superhero of this world who seemed impossible to defeat, but was killed with a magic bullet, um, which are like little talking. Anthropomorphized bullets. Like this is such a fun and Bizarre. also heartbreaking comic. There's so much going on in this book, and like, yeah, so it's one of those books where so little is explained. I love you, that. I you know d- it's coming, so it's fine. Totally, I love a book that isn't afraid to just drop you in the middle of something and assume that you're smart enough to figure it out. It doesn't hold your hand the whole way through. And uh, th- this gives us lots of backstory of um, like the gatekeeper character and the main character. We go, we delve way back um, into his backstory. Um, over a couple pages, and uh, it's pretty tragic. The, yeah, the, uh, the the mystery of this is is just gets deeper and deeper. Um, and David Rubin's art is so phenomenal. I cannot express enough how much I love this. And Image are going to be reprinting um, a comic for the first time in English, I believe, that he did um, like a Beowulf series in hardcover, which I'm really keen oh, cool. to check out. I'll definitely check that out too. Um, Matt Kent also wrote um, Depth number nine this week. I, I miss like every second issue of this. Yeah, I, I I chose to read Ether over it this week just because I was I was pressed for time. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I assure you, Depth was probably pretty great this week. <laughs> it was also very good. Um, did you read Briggsland issue five? No, another great Dark Horse book, um, written by Brian Wood with art by, um, oh, he's such a good name, Mac Chater. Is his Mac name? Chater, yeah, yeah, that's a good name. name. Um, I mean, this is such a. Um, great series? Yeah, great series. <laughs> Sorry, but like it, it makes me feel funny because you're kind of sympathizing with borderline neo-Nazis. Like some of the characters are explicitly Nazis, but we're just not sure which kind of side of things Grace Briggs, who is the matriarch of this family, um, sits on. And this is a really, like this sees her in a much darker light. We've seen her being kind of the um, lighter side of the family, but in this um, she is taking a firm stance with, with someone who is not wanting to sell a property to them and she encourages her son, who is a full neo-Nazi, to do some pretty horrible stuff to him. Um, and by the end, you're sort of... You're not really sure where it's going, but she is collaborating with police. It's a, it's a very, very good, complicated, um, 
comic. It makes me like it, it makes so much sense that this has been picked up to be a TV sh- series. Yeah, I can't wait to see what it, that's going to be like. It makes me feel like Breaking Bad, like Great. in just in the sense that the characters are so complicated and sure. by turns likable and unlikable. Definitely, um, I will read that ASAP. Yeah. Um, I read one image book this week, and that was the finale of Lake of Fire by Nathan Fairbairn and Matt Smith. Um, this was the uh, the Crusades uh, based alien comic um, in which we see a bunch of knights um, go to a seemingly low threat kind of uh, village to deal with a problem, but the problem turns out to be an alien invasion. And uh, this is the action packed finale um, where we see certain knights go down in a, in a literal blaze of glory. Um, a lot of characters die in this. Um, but uh, it looks thrilling the entire way through. The colours so beautiful, uh, are, are fantastic. And I thought, you know, this book kind of definitely went to a place that I wasn't expecting it to. Mm. Um, and I think if I reread it again, I'll really, really enjoy it. Yeah, um, I think it'll whole. be a satisfying read in trade. It's another one that I think would be a fantastic fucking movie. Yeah, because it's uh, th- there's some great, great action scenes in in, in this series, and uh, I don't the, think you could do it justice in a movie. Yeah, I know the finale is devastating. Yeah, uh, I just uh, put that out there. So uh, be warned. Uh, really, really great series. Um, when the trade comes out, I can't recommend this enough. Absolutely. And I hope Nathan Fairbairn does a lot more writing in the future. Mm. He's a great colorist, and his name shows up in a lot of great projects. But uh, he's, he's clearly a, a Super talented writer Super as great. well. Yep. Awesome. Loved it. Uh, let's talk about animosity. Let's. Talking about series that uh, did not go where we thought it was going to go. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a book by Marguerite Bennett and Raphael De La Torre um, about like, one of probably my favorite number one issue. Yes. Yeah, such this, a brilliantly structured number one. Of an- animals gaining sentience and being aware of, of what everything that's happened to them and being able to communicate with humans and understand their place in the world. Um, this jumped forward past everything remotely interesting <laughs> and mm. we just get flung into this way too crazy world where the animals have taken over. And, and there's lots of different like warring factions of animals and you can't... Uh, I don't really understand what they're all doing yet. Like it's a bit, it's a bit confusing. And I feel like my key, my key criticism of Marguerite Bennett is always like, there's just too many pop culture references in a way that I find really jarring and takes me out of it. And I don't personally enjoy. Um, I liked that weird Pokemon one a couple of issues ago. I yeah, did that not, was pretty funny. I did not like the one in this. I can never remember what it was, but yeah, I, me neither. I remember seeing it and being like, ugh. I don't know about this. <laughs> um, I'm still, I don't like. I'm still kind of interested because the, she set up a couple of ideas. Like we assumed that um, Jesse, the main character's parents, are dead, but now Sandor, the dog, might have um, killed them. Yeah, well, he might have, or they might still be alive, and he's hiding Jesse from them. So it's sort of that's pretty interesting. But yeah, I don't, I don't find this super compelling. Yeah. Not as compelling. Like, that first issue was so brilliant. Um, And it just hasn't... It hasn't lived up to that. It's changing artists with the next issue, too. So, either that means hopefully, like, a backstory or one-shot issue, which is what this series desperately needs. Mm. More meat to it, as opposed to just, like, just jumping forward events. Because this this conflict that that, that gets resolved in this issue itself could have been drawn out longer. Absolutely. It just moves way too quickly. That's my biggest problem with it. Yeah. Maybe she's just worried about not... Maybe she only has six issues or something, but that, that's a really yeah. Th- this is such an interesting concept that I just yeah. I, w- I wish was explored 
in better, better, bigger depth. Agreed. <laughs> um, I read The Electric Sublime. I can't believe I missed this. Yeah, this is my, maybe what my favourite book right now. It's so good. W. Maxwell Prince. He's going to be possibly my like one to watch next year mm. um, as, a, from, as a writer. Um, actually, so too with, with the artist on this book, Martin Morazzo, is, is an excellent, excellent artist as really well. Really excellent. But I, I read um, W. Maxwell Prince's One Week in the Library. Um, it's a, uh, a graphic novel that Image put out a couple of weeks ago. It's fantastic. Fantastic. I'll talk about it more in depth. I'll bring it in next week and we can talk about yeah, cool. it. Yeah, cool. Because we clearly don't already have 60 comics to get through. But I'll, I'll review it properly in depth in the future. It's really, really great. And, and the writing in it's fantastic. He's just a very good writer. He can do great character. He can do incredible lore and backstory. And, um, you know, he pulls on some pretty big ideas, in, even in this series, Electric Sublime, which is all about crimes in art. And this, in this, oh my God, Siobhan, in this issue, without spoiling too much of it, there is a death in this issue. Oh my god! But the death isn't of a character that in the story. The death is of the guy in the fucking scream artwork. No way! <laughs> His head gets crushed. <laughs> so yeah, we, we've seen like the Mona, Lisa, the Mona Lisa, and That's now graphic. who who, who, did, who did the scream? Uh, Edvard Munch. Yeah, I him. probably pronounced that really poorly. <laughs> but the scream, like, uh, so yeah, you guys all know that one. The scream, the guy with his face going, oh, the scared guy. You know, Home Alone based it on. Yeah. It. <laughs> I think it was um, based on Home Alone. That's right. Uh, but yeah, like it ends with uh, the, 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 the main bad guy crushing the Scream's face. Fair, like, like, man, this is a clever book. It's it's really, really clever. It's a murder mystery in the art world. And, and so much a- like like um, less pretentious than that sounds. It's a genuinely just a really solid detective murder mystery but like with a surreal edge. It's a classic Vertigo book. Yeah, that's exactly it's what it a, it's, feels like. It's like it feels like you know the Invisibles, Why the Last Man. Yep. Um, the Unwritten doesn't feel like Why the Last Man. <laughs> doesn't feel like, oh, but like more like the Unwritten. One the Unwritten, yeah, sure. The ones that really pull on literary absolutely sources. Yeah, yeah. I really really like this series. Heaps and, um, fun. Again, and I, I like it as much as I like Black Hammer. And the art's so really brilliant. This will be on my I reckon favorite comics of next year list for sure. For sure. And if there were one or two more issues that came out this this year, it would have made 2016s. <laughs> I'm mad at myself year. because instead of that, I read Buffy the Vampire Slayer issue two. You could have reviewed this in the Dark Horse section too. Oh yeah, I'm a dummy. Um, <laughs> isn't that wild? We read we read way more Dark Horse comics than Image this week. Yeah, isn't that interesting? It was a really quiet week for Image, but they made up for it this week. Um, <laughs> so this is um, currently being written by Christos Gage. Um, by with art by Rebecca Isaacs, and I think the reason that I keep reading this is because I think this is the best art that Buffy has ever had. It Rebecca looks great. Isaacs is extremely good. Like I was like, oh, I don't want to read this, and then I sort of flicked through and I was like, actually, I really want to stare at these pictures for a little while. <laughs> this is a weird story that, like, considering how. Buffy does not have a very diverse cast. Like, there's a lot of LGBT characters, but um, everyone's white. Everyone, everyone is white. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a story about like they're they're making internment camps for magic users because the rest of the world is now conscious of the fact that there's magic. And in the last issue, um, first issue of this series, San Francisco gets attacked by a big dragon um and so they're sort of dealing with the aftermath of that they're not allowed back in their homes yet and then the government announces that all magic users will be sent into internment camps and it ends with like buffy and spike looking at each other being like oh my god america's like bringing internment camps back and it just strikes me as like a little bit weird and maybe a little bit tone deaf to have that kind of story being played out with exclusively white characters at this time at this point in history. Um, 
so it, it made me feel a little bit like weird about it. But mm. other than that, it's a pretty good story. And Rebecca Isaacs really is good. She does a very good job at sort of balancing getting the likenesses right, um, getting the clothes really right. Like this is a good series for like women not just wearing like a shirt and pants and heels. Um, <laughs> it's like she does a she does a good job of that. So that that's the key reason to read this book. Maybe there's just, just the only white people in Sunnydale. It sounds like a made-up white person place. <laughs> like it sounds like a shopping mall. Yeah, that's <laughs> like it pretty much is. Um, and like, I mean, it was. I don't know. It was the nineties. Just Whedon didn't care about that at that time in his life. I guess. No one did. No one did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did not read Archie. I did not read Slam. Oh, okay. Re- I did read Archie because I thought you did. Um, Archie. This is a continuation of the. Archie has to plan his parents anniversary but also he's sad and so he's turned into Jughead um, slash Veronica fighting uh, Cheryl Blossom story arc. I think I enjoyed this issue much more than the last one I still don't especially like Joe Eisman's art and I think we miss a lot of like sight gags because he's just not as skilled as some of the other um, characters uh, artists that we've seen work on this but this was like this was a solid issue from Mark Wade. It I think was, he's a skilled um, artist I don't think he's a right match for the Archie books yeah, yeah, that's probably that's more that's more accurate. Um, yeah, this was like this was good fun, you know, some sweet moments for Archie. Um, we see that Veronica is coming back to Riverdale, but so is Cheryl. Oh no, Cheryl Blossom. So the Veronica won the battle, but she has potentially lost the war. Um, yeah, like this wasn't the best issue of Archie, but it was fine. And Slam, which is the roller derby-focused series written by Pamela Ribbon, illustrated by Veronica Fish, who I love. Um, This one, it's kind of interesting because it's not... It doesn't feel like a traditional linear plot-driven comic. Like, I, I find myself a little bit confused by all the characters and what's going on. But it sort of shows, like, the different... Um, the two main characters having different experiences in Derby. So one of them is really working hard and excelling, but, like, the rest of her life is kind of falling by the wayside. And the other one is just not... She's not excelling in the way that she wanted to. Um, and so she's really struggling with that while also trying to find time for a new relationship. So it's like, it's clever. It's sweet. Veronica Fish is an extremely good artist. Um, I still find myself a little bit like, I don't understand what's going on, but I enjoy it. How are the portrayals of the female characters? Good. To you. Good. Yeah. Good to me. Genuinely good to me. I have um, like, these are, there is a good array of um different kinds of female characters they are likable which is not like you don't have to be likable um but these characters happen to be quite likable and they sort of have complex lives you know they're not just like i'm this thing they have <laughs> they have multi they are multifaceted characters i'm I think this is thing good. but overweight <laughs> <laughs> yes i hate that like like i totally get that that's like you know it's important to have diverse as, yeah. a, as an overweight person i love <laughs> seeing myself in reflected in books but uh i i hate that that's like a character archetype yeah, 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 yeah. and the fat one like, <laughs> the chubby the chubby chick right <laughs> the proud fat one yeah like. <laughs> the one who's not ashamed of herself that's crazy right 
yeah, comics. Uh, yeah, I know. No, this is good. This is good. Um, good female representation. A fun story. If you liked, whip it. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely check this out. Um, cool. So there's all our reviews this week. Um, <sighs> if you would like to argue with us about the comics that we did or didn't review this week, please come and do so. Facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast is our Facebook page. Or we have a little group going, which is Facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues Podcast, uh, featuring a few hundred people just talking comics all goddamn day. And if you want to get even more in-depth, there's a group chat, a Serious yeah. Issues group chat going, which is just like, I don't know, a handful of people just like nonstop. I'm talking like... Every minute I get a notification <laughs> that someone, like just a, lo- a never ending discussion of comics. So if you're someone that, uh, you know, loves this, this podcast because it's finally, it's, it's like having a conversation with someone that reads as many comics or more comics than you, uh, definitely get over to our group and, and join the conversation there. It's a diverse bunch of people who just are united by their love of comics. It's nice. It's a nice um, place to be. You can also follow us on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash serious underscore underscore issues. And uh, individually at levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G is where you'll find me on Twitter and Instagram. And Siobhan is Siobhan C-B-G. Yeah. Cool. You know what would be really nice? A nice little end of year Christmas present for us. Go to iTunes and leave us a nice review if you're a fan of the show. It's the easiest way to get more listeners. Um, and with more listeners means we can do more fun opportunities, more live episodes, and more bonus stuff for you to listen to. So uh, head on over to iTunes and leave us a nice little review. Should you feel so inclined, we would appreciate it very much. Uh, we'll see you next week for another is- episode of Serious Issues. And uh, one more time for 2016, Siobhan. Your famous catchphrase, famous the catch last phrase. time you'll ever have to say I it. I came up with it. <laughs> stay, stay serious, friends. And, re- and remember, write to us, what should Siobhan's catchphrase be in 2017? She loves those catchphrases. I just love it. <laughs> Let us know. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you guys. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. 
As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.